How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, this is Bookaholics Anonymous. I'm Francesca. I'm Alicia. And we forget to <laughs> do an introduction almost every episode. So I, I feel like every episode uh, we like text each other and we're like, wait, I don't think we did an intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you what are you drinking? I'm drinking seltzer water and pink Whitney. Ooh. Love that for you. I only had like a teeny bit like at the bottom of the bottle. Mm. I was like, let's just get rid of that. So Yeah, smart. Mm-hmm. Smart, smart. I am having I went back to beer for the first time in a couple months. Oh. It's been a while since I have. Yeah, it's been a, at least a like a couple of weeks over a month. Yeah, my so my dad has like stopped drinking beer, like trying to be better about it. So until I drink my family out of house and home, um, I won't be buying alcohol. So I'm gonna try and steal as much as I can, which is how it usually goes. And my brother-in-law left Montauk in our our fridge. Oh, okay. And he drinks this shit like it's crack. And I don't know how I feel about it because it's giving me some IPA tastes which mm. we know my feelings about ipas i do i do yeah it's a driftwood ale um so we'll see how this goes i opened it and i was like haha fuck you steve i'm gonna drink your beer when i first <laughs> opened it and then it immediately exploded and like <gasps> shot up and oh, then no. all over my laptop and i was oh, like okay no. that's instant karma <laughs> yeah they're like so, mm, you thought bitch you thought. Again. yeah well do you have anything you want to address any Anything? Um, not really. Oh, the, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the trailer for, like, the Six of Crows, uh, Grishaverse dropped. Looks amazing. I didn't watch that one. I did watch the last trailer of the After movies. Oh. I, preface, I have not seen any of the movies. I have just watched the trailers and watched, like, commentary mo- videos about them. I've never actually watched them so that's pretty much a hate crime uh (laughs) (laughs) is it though i feel like that's an emotional support to harry styles is by not watching them oh i read i read the the book book quote unquote i read the fanfic (laughs) version it was terrible and obviously so toxic please do not Mm -hmm. think that's what a relationship should be like no um and then the movies are almost worse but not seeing the six of crows trailer yet i want to i didn't realize i was out listen i know that kaz brecker is a murderer and kind of a war criminal but he is my war criminal (laughs) that's what i say i don't care (laughs) (laughs) that's what i say about nomad steve rogers i mean that's valid I've actually been thinking about reading, um, like, Shadow and Bone, because I only read Six of Crows, like, the duology. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I should really read, like, the first trilogy. But everyone tells me it's, like, not that, it's not as good as the Six of Crows and I shouldn't read it. So, yeah. I don't know. Tweet at us. Let me know yeah. if I should read it. <laughs> if it's worth it. Right. So, do you want to start? Yeah, I don't think I have anything else. I'm sorry to tell you, but I saw on Goodreads, so I know what book you're doing, and you're a bitch because I was going to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Have you you read any of... Well, first of all, tell us the book you're reading. So, I'm reading The Project by Courtney Summers. 
I am so excited to tell you about this one. I'm like, I was a whore for doing this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have you read um, any of her other books? No. (gasps) You have to read Sadie. It's so good. Yeah. I, I, after reading this one, I want to read her other work. Oh, I was gonna say Aunt Sadie is told uh, through podcasts, like half podcasts. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Yeah, I kind of went out of the box. Well, not out of the box, but out of the box for me with this one. Because it's young adult. I'm typically more nonfiction. So, like, this was a fun one. I do want to give a trigger warning for some... <laughs> As per usual, Courtney Summers. For me and Courtney Summers, apparently. Yes, she's she loves her triggers. There's some mentions of abuse. In the book, it's more talked about i'm going to say i'm say the word abuse maybe three times like it is not a lot i don't really dive into an explanation of what the abuse is just to try and make this as easy for people to listen to as possible but regardless if that is something you don't want to hear we have plenty of other episodes for you to listen to so or not listen to mm-hmm. <laughs> that's or not, your choice that's Holy your opinion. We are not forcing anyone to listen to us. Contrary, Contrary. to your opinion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are you, I'm so excited that you like know about this book. Oh, yes. Because I, I actually, fun fact, when I moved to New York, Courtney Summers was the first book event I went to when I moved Ooh. here because I got an arc of Sadie through Wednesday Books, the publisher, and read it, loved it, thought it was amazing. And then when it was actually released, it was released in September and she was on her book tour and I just moved here, and I was like, oh, I can finally go to book events. Because <laughs> no one fucking goes to upstate. Why would you yeah. ever go there for a book event? So, yep, I saw her on a uh, book tour for, for summer. Uh, I'm for so Sadie. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, I loved this book. What would you have done if I had read this book already? You would have heard it again, because I have so <laughs> many thoughts. We would have run it down, and you would have had different... You probably would have different opinions after reading... I still... I wholly recommend you read the books that we talk, give the summaries for, like whether it's before or after you read them. Obviously, I would suggest reading them before because obviously there are spoilers in what right. we talk about. But there's so much that even though my episodes tend to run over an hour, particularly <laughs> my episodes, there's so much that I still have to, we have to not talk about because of time. Yeah, I've, I've learned to come to terms with that. Yeah, so I still say read this book. A hundred percent, because there are little things in it that, like, I can't, I, we would be here all night if I was, like, telling everything. We would. And I know Alicia hates that, so. <laughs> because I gotta sound, my stool is really uncomfortable. I so need a new chair, too. I know. Well, I don't have room to have, like, an actual chair yeah. in here, so I'd have to find somewhere else to record, and that's, like, I don't have a lot of options. Yes. So, I still suggest reading this book. Um, I loved it like this is one of the few times where I was actually very satisfied by the ending which like we know I am never satisfied by endings you're not an ending type type of gal yeah because I want more I want more and this one there were parts where I was like oh I wish there was more but like the way it was wrapped up was done so beautifully so we're just gonna dive right in I'm so like I'm so excited anyway okay (laughs) it's been a while since I've like really been excited to tell like a story like this okay so we the story this is the prologue but it starts in 1998 B which 
as I told you before, I had my dyslexia just thrived reading this because every time I would read B's name, I would think Bay. Yeah. Circa 2014 when B-A-E was like a thing. So that really fucked with me. When you texted me that, I read it and was like, wait, isn't that how you said it? Because I low-key think I do also have dyslexia and read it as Bay. So, like, I kept having to remind myself it's not Bay, Especially because I voice took my notes, so I keep saying Bay instead of B, And I'm like, Argh. <laughs> Anyway, so it's 1998. B is six years old, okay? Mm-hmm. She's staying with her neighbors because her parents are at the hospital because mom's giving birth to her little sister. She is, like, not thrilled. <laughs> She does not want a sibling, much less a sister. Understandable. When she gets to the hospital, her mom's, like, holding her little sister. And the mom really hits home that, like, the bond between the two of them is very special because they're sisters. And as the as Courtney Summers puts it, it's a promise you make to each other and only they can break. Courtney Summers, man, just loves sisters. I also wrote down some of my favorite quotes or, like, favorite phrases in the book because there are some spots where she just really like put it so beautifully unfortunately because i read it on kindle and i fucked with the size of the font right i don't know the exact pages but i do want to specify i will say this is a direct quote just so i'm not plagiarizing or anything like that well like i i say quotes in my episodes all the time so i feel like that should be just normal well i'm just also not intelligent enough to say these things so i don't want anyone getting confused with my level of brain power to think of these things to say (laughs) so um so they let b name her sister and i would not be doing that but okay so she is named gloria or Lo. so i'm gonna and the rest the whole book she's named she's referred to as Lo. so that's just what she's gonna be referred to as it's now 2011 B's 19 years old and she's on a date at the movies and she hasn't really heard anything from her parents which is odd they would describe her as like really wanting to be in the middle of the action and just know what's going on so for her to not hear from her parents is troubling to her because she just wants to know uh-huh so she gets home the lights are off there's no car in the driveway the door is locked which is odd so this part of the story is actually told like woven together so you find out that the parents and Lo were in a car accident. Okay. And it's like she's watching the thing. Her parents are turning onto the next street. She's making out with this guy. The car hits her. Pa- like, it's that kind of. It was so well executed. Like, I was like, oh, damn. Oh, fuck. What? Like, I was just the whole time. Does this take place in the U.S.? I'm sorry. Yes. So okay. you'll find. Well, I'll get into that. Okay. So, okay, okay. Um. The parents are killed on impact, and Lo is in the ICU, basically on her deathbed. B is the one that has to take care of the arrangements for her parents, and she has to bury them by herself. Like, it's very, just tragic and very sad. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Lo is 13 at this point, uh, and she has a very severe infection uh-huh. that's basically going to kill her. Um, and... When B shows up to the hospital one day, the nurse is like, maybe you should stay the night. B's like, I really don't want to. Like, And the nurse is like, you probably should fucking stay. I think Come you on, should. You idiot. Um, so at this point, uh, Courtney writes, Lo wants to be a writer. B is tormented by all the stories. Her sister will never get the chance to tell. And I was just like, oh my God. Fuck me. Okay. 
<laughs> we're starting so, off strong with like the yeah. emotions. So the sisters were not raised very religiously. Like they didn't go to church often. They really don't believe in God. Uh-huh. So that night, B actually goes to the hospital chapel and basically collapses in front of the altar, like begging God to save Lo. And then this man appears. Uh-huh. And then it switches to September of 2017. I hate that shit. <laughs> so it goes it goes back and forth like that. And I almost told it chronologically, but then that would just take away from the way the story is written. So right. I'm going to tell it the way, the order it goes in. Just so, otherwise there would be no surprises. And it would just be like, okay, you get to the end of one story and you're starting. The, it just, mm, no. So I'm telling it this way. Okay. So it's September of 2017. So now Lo is 19. And she's at a train station. She's heading up to work or whatever. And as she's walking through the train station, a young man approaches her and is like, I know who you are. But she's like never seen him before. Absolutely not. Automatically. I'm yelling out fire. I'm getting out my pepper spray. (laughs) I'm running through everything that Georgia Georgia and Karen have like taught me. Yes. They have instilled in us the great values. Exactly. Avoiding murder. So, shout out Hudson Valley, which is where this takes place. Shout of course. Shout out to my <laughs> mom and Aiden baby, my best friend, not my actual mom. I have this habit of calling my friends that have kids, I call them mom. I literally thought you ta- were talking about your actual mom, and I was like, yeah, I no. am so confused right now. <laughs> yeah. Becca is one of my best friends, but I call her mom all the time because whenever her the three of us are together, I'm just like, mom, and then Aiden gets mad because... He knows not, she's not my right. mother. <laughs> um, but shout out to the two of them. Also, I cover up any of Aiden's future crimes because Auntie loves you. So I'm the one you gotta <laughs> But anyway, the man hands Lo this card and there's like this biblical phrase on it. And right before he does, right after he does that, he jumps in front of a train. And we later find out his name is Jeremy. So now it's October of 2017. Lo is working at the magazine SVO as the assistant to Paul Tyndale. So mm-hmm. at work, she's been getting these weird, like, hang-up calls of people just, like, breathing into the phone. And she's like, what the fuck? No, that is too original Night Stalker for me. No, <laughs> no. So Paul's first appointment of the day is Arthur Lewis. And Paul is also, like, this very well-known journalist, like, very famous. And this is, like, his magazine. It's just starting. But anyway... So, Arthur shows up, and the two of them go back into Paul's office. Arthur, We find out Arthur is Jeremy's dad. Okay. So, he wants Paul to look further into Jeremy's death. Lo can hear Arthur yelling, I know they killed him, from Paul's office. Because she's, like, obviously right outside his office, because she's his secretary. Right. So, Arthur storms out of the office. He's very upset, and he goes to the bar downstairs. <laughs> Love that. So, as Lo is leaving for the day, she sees Arthur through the window and she just feels bad. So, she goes in to comfort him. And we find out him and Jeremy didn't have a great relationship towards the end of Jeremy's life. And that Arthur was having a PI follow Jeremy before he died. Oh. So, he shows Lo a picture that the PI took. And standing next to Jeremy is B, who Lo has not seen in a hot minute. Like... It's, she's ve- visibly shocked and is like, what the fuck? Right. Um, and we both, we find out both of them are involved in the Unity Project. Okay. So, that sounds very cultish. So, Lo is fully invested in the idea that this project is a cult. And that this a is also... A woman after my own heart. Yes. Ugh. 
So this is also when she finds out Jeremy is the boy she saw jump in front of the train. Like, she had not no idea. She didn't connect the dots until then. Right. So she goes to Paul and asks what he's doing to look into the project, and he says it's clean. <laughs> and this exchange between the two of them, she goes, it's a fucking cult, Paul. And he goes, so is the Catholic Church. <laughs> Got him. Ma'am. So Lo is also pissed at Paul because she's been working for him for a year, and it's very unlikely she'll ever get a promotion. And it this is the part where I have the biggest problem with Lo because okay. she didn't graduate. She finished high school with a GED. She didn't okay. go to college. I'm not saying that you need that for work. You don't need a college degree necessarily to go and do fantastic work. But she is, like, expecting to get this staff writer position at 19 with no prior experience. And he's even looked over her work and said it's a little wonky. Like, she's just expecting more from him. And he's like, listen, I needed an assistant. You're going to be my assistant. And she's just not happy with that. And that aggravates the ever-living shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, definitely for sure. That's kind of irritating, especially as people who have gone through degrees that have to do with writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I would kind of be upset if I were on staff and then someone who has not been trained got, like, a position that early. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you you, worked there a couple years, you know, two, three years, and then have shown growth and that you understand how to write, then, yeah, let's, you know, put you in that position but like as someone who got a like a journalism degree i would kind of be upset if some like 19 year old just showed up off the like off the street and just got a like a writer position exactly like any Uh, sort of training and i don't know if that was intentional on courtney's summer's part was writing her that way but she just seemed so entitled and it oh it annoyed the ever-living shit out of me no, 100% understand. So then we, she goes home for the day and we find out that Lo has a scar on the left side of her face that goes from the top of her eyebrow down into her cheek. And it's like a very prominent, it's like the first thing you see when you look at her. Okay, theory. Harry Styles was her dad. <laughs> Taylor Swift was her mom. <laughs> and this occurs during the vehicular manslaughter. No body, no crime. Yes. Theory. Yes, I love that theory. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we go back to 2011, and now we meet Lev Warren. Now, I'm assuming his name is pronounced Lev because it's spelled L-E-V. Yeah. And I kept reading it as Levi in my head, so yeah. it's Lev. I'm going to say it's Lev. Don't come for me. Anyway, <laughs> so he was the one that came into the chapel the day that B collapsed praying. In exchange for saving Lo, B had to promise to come and meet Lev and learn about what he's doing to make the world this fantastic and great place. Mm. So we learned that he was born in 1980 in Indiana, that his mother was very abusive. At 17, he joined the Catholic Church. Eventually, he joined the seminary, but there he said he no longer felt God's love. Which was, like, weird. So he left. He goes back to Indiana and prayed for 30 hours straight. On the 30th hour, he gets this vision. And that's when he starts the Unity Project. While she's there, like, learning about Lev at the um, Garrett Farm, which is one of their locations that they work out of, 
she gets a text that Lo is awake and she's asking for B. Which mm-hmm. is like, yay, he did it. It worked. Oh, so no. now it's October of 2017. Okay. There's also yeah. so back in like 2014, this leaked sermon that Lev gave comes out basically like right before the election, warning everyone that the incoming Trump administration is gonna like ruin everything. And it always leaks at re like reemerges every time the administration did something wrong. Like Lev warned us. Okay, you don't need a, a like a rocket scientist to tell you that shit. <laughs> so they're having a public sermon, um, and Lo decides to go and like confront them, and look for B. Mm-hmm. So while she's at the train station, she just casually runs into a member of the Unity Project who basically tries to convince Lo that the project like saved her life. Which, okay, sure, but <laughs> okay, <laughs> I oh I have some reservations. But one of my favorite quotes from the book was at this part when Love was like standing there contemplating like why Jeremy would know her. She literally says, "Why after all of these years did she be put my name in a dead boy's mouth?" Oh. So Okay, sure. So the two of them she decides to try and like suss out like more information from this woman. The two of them decide to make the journey up the Hudson Valley to the sermon together. And Love was also trying to keep a low profile because she's had run-ins with the Unity Project in the past when B first joined. So when she gets there, Lo gets frisked at the entrance um, to make sure she doesn't have any weapons and her phone is taken from her by a man named Foster. Mm-hmm. Foster becomes important later on. Um, Don't like this. She also no. notes that her friend's phone isn't taken, only hers. Hmm. And so you find out, like, they only take newcomers' phones, like, not actual members, because, like, you don't know, like, you don't want, they didn't want him, them recording shit, and, like, putting it on the internet, whatever. Mm. So they get seats, and the woman, and this woman comes out on stage, and her name's Casey, and she's basically the opening act, and saying how this project has saved her life, and that she'd be nowhere, and she had been nowhere and had no vision until she met Lev. Scientology, is that you? So, Casey is literally the Seagram sisters from Nexium, <laughs> and she's also the Unity Project's bank. So, like, her dad is very wealthy businessman, and she's the one Got it. that gives the money. Right. So, that's why I was thinking Nexium, like, this entire time. <laughs> so, just as the actual sermon is, like, about to start and Lev is about to come out, Lo literally gets jerked out of her seat and pulled out of the tent by Foster, and he brings her to Casey. Anthony? <laughs> yeah (laughs) so casey tells her to leave and told her to tell paul to stop snooping around so lo bluffs and tells casey that paul is investigating the unity project for the magazine and then demands to see b and they're like b doesn't want to see you gtfo goodbye and foster has to escort lo off the property so that Monday, Lo gets a phone call from Paul saying someone had broken and trashed the office, and it looked like he specifically was a target. This sounds like Scientology esque. Yeah, this There's part. A- They're coming to arrest the Scientologists. <laughs> Listen, this is also no judgment to anybody's religion, whatever you believe. No, fully, fully believe it. Uh-uh, unless I you're don't. a Scientologist. Unless you're a Scientologist. Exactly. No, like Mm-mm. it. It's. It's a no. Like, no. I don't fully believe that aliens are going to come and kill us. <laughs> I think I'm aliens are going to save us. It literally. That being said, 
I support any and all religion. You choose to live your life however you want to, unless you're a Scientologist. Tweet us if you need help getting out. You're in a we will call, get you out. Call your dad. Call your call your dad. Call your mom. Call your priest. Call somebody. Don't stay unless your priest is also in the cult. Then maybe yeah. not call them. Maybe call <laughs> Leah Remini. She would definitely be a bigger help than we would. Definitely. But okay, so Paul's computer is like smashed. And it's obvious that someone was, like, trying to fuck with them. Paul thinks it might have been drunk teenagers on Halloween. But at the same time, part of him, like, thinks he was targeted because it was really only his stuff that got fucked up. So, Lo thinks it's Casey in the project because she had told Casey that Paul was investigating them. And so she thinks Casey ordered the hit and she explicitly doesn't tell Paul. Girlfriend. Yeah. So, she takes a trip back to Garrett Farm where the sermon took place. And she runs into Foster, who tells her she's not allowed on the property. (laughs) And she calls him out and is like, you shouldn't be breaking into my place of work. And again, she asks for B, but they won't let her see her sister. They claim she doesn't want to see Lo. Scientology. (laughs) Yeah. So it switches back to 2012. Excuse me. B is having dreams of Lev. He calls her late at night when she's alone he never texts her, just calls to check in and chat. Oh. He... Not worth it. Yeah, she's been getting more and more involved in the project. And, like, he's telling her this is her calling, that God has chosen her. Yeah. To the point where she's not visiting Lo as much as she should. And while she's in the ICU, Lo has been having these hallucinations of this man at the foot of her bed reaching for her. And I thought, like, it was really beautifully put when she says, B doesn't yet understand... The girl who survived the car accident, but quickly came to the heart-shattering conclusion that the sister she knew died with their parents, with their mom and dad. And I was uh-huh. like, that's heavy. <laughs> that's heavy. That's super fucking heavy. So Lo has a hard time remembering things, and the doctors think it's like a defense mechanism after the trauma of losing both of her parents. Because after the accident, she should be able to remember things, but, like, she just isn't really remembering it. And Love is also very angry at herself because she's the only one that survived. Right. And then to wake up in a body that's not really what she remembers is, like... Right. That's gotta, like, rock some shit, especially at 13 years old. Yeah. That's, um, a lot of therapy that's going to be involved. Yeah. So, Lev would call Nightly to remind her of the work that they're doing, that what they're doing is super important, it's not complete, and B is essential to this fight and all of that bullshit. Oh, no. So, Lev would move in with their great Aunt Patty in Austining, who would take over Lo's care after getting out of the hospital. And B is torn between Lowe and the Unity Project, and ultimately chooses the Unity Project. Oh, that's the wrong choice, sis. Yeah. So, we switch back to November of 2017, and she's st- Lo is still on the property, and Lev walks out onto the porch, and Lo has this flashback to getting a call while she was living with her aunt Patty while she was high on painkillers, <laughs> and B saying like we'll see each other again, like don't worry, but it's been two years and she hasn't seen B. Yikes. So, Lev denies that the project members broke into the magazine and trashed the place because that's, like, runs counter to what they're trying to do in terms of, like, making the world a better place, but whatever. (laughs) Whatever you say, boss. 
Love tells him she's the one writing the article for SVO, and it's going to be this big tell-all about how he isolated B, basically killed Jeremy, and it's going to ruin the project. So she basically blackmails him, saying either you produce my sister or I'm going to read this, run this article and ruin your life. That is boss girl shit. That right is there. some boss girl shit, especially at being the youngest of three sisters. Can confirm I would blackmail some shit to see my sisters. So now we get the final phone call from B's perspective. And then we also find out that the hallucinations that Lo had been having in the hospital was actually Lev, like, blessing her, quote, bringing her, like, quote, unquote, bringing her back to life mm, kind of shit. Don't like that. Don't like it. Mm-mm. And to witness that for B was just so exhilarating that she had to join the project because she knows that he can do good in the world. So she she tries to explain to Lo that being part of the project is where she's meant to be and that she loves her so much and they will see each other again. Now, they have the vows. I have it listed, like, the page number it's on. There's some wild shit in those vows that he makes them t- say before they're baptized. Oh um, it's all, like, very sounds like he's God and they're going to be submitting to him, but, like, disguising hmm. it as they're submitting to God. It's some wild shit. Great on Courtney Summers for coming up with that off the top of her head because that gave me some Scientology vibes. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing has now turned into Scientology territory. Yeah. I would say this is like a mix of Scientology and Nexium. For sure. Which I'll explain further later. It's just weird. So it switches back to, and they're like baptized in a lake and like all the shit. He like dunks them underwater, whatever. So, it, now it's November of 2017 again. Lo approaches Paul about potentially writing the story. She doesn't give everything away, but she asks him, like, if she had a story, could she write it? And you, this is when you find out, like, basically, Paul just hired her to be his assistant and, like, really nothing more. Mm-hmm. And if there was a quote from a book that ever encapsulated my life, it was... It's hard to hear myself recast in a role I never envisioned for myself. Like, she's not the main character and she's just figuring it out. <laughs> so she gets another breathy hang-up call at work and she thinks it's Casey trying to scare her. She also gets a Facebook invite to a group from Arthur Lewis claiming to have the truth about the Unity Project. And then another great quote that as a little sister I can attest to was I was 11 when I got little sister jealous enough to start cataloging like cataloging all the things that B was doing that annoyed the ever living shit out of her (laughs) I could appreciate that one too so she reads everything that he put in the post it's very obviously emotionally driven asking people to come forward if they have stories and that he fully believes that the project killed Jeremy and enough, I have so many, I have so many quotes written down because they're just so good. But there, then she says, like, where is the line between what circumstances have turned you into and who you choose to be? And I was like, damn, <laughs> that is some philosophical shit that my brain cannot deal with right now. <laughs> We're all, path- well, blah, blah, blah. we'll unpack that later. <laughs> yeah. So a few hours later, she refreshes the page and it's gone. So clearly someone had to take it down. So, Casey calls Lo and offers her a chance to talk to Lev again, but it's, like, super top-secret kind of meeting and doesn't, like, explain further. 
she agrees to pick Lo up from the train station and drive her to Chapman House, which is, like, their big plantation, like, their big main house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of far for Lo, but, like, that's non-negotiable. She has to go to Chapman House to do this. So, uh-huh. she gets there, she gets in the car, and Casey makes her sign an NDA specifically oh. for that day. Damn. So, she's like, <laughs> Lo says, most people would rather hold themselves hostage than feel like they wasted their time. And I was like, damn, that's, that's true. That's true. So, she's, while she's, Casey's driving out, she notices Lo isn't looking out the windows. She's only looking down at her phone. Like, she won't, she gets, like, very uncomfortable in cars. Right. So, at Chapman House, there's about 300 members who live there. And it's also where the baptisms take place. Mm-hmm. And this is where we found out that Casey's dad is the CEO of Nucola and is just swimming in cash, a.k.a. the Seagram sisters. Right. So, while she's in the car with Casey, she gets another breathy hang-up call, which is just Love like... That. So, like, okay, it's not Casey. Right. Because she's sitting there. Whatever. So, Lo tells... Well, Lee... It's Foster. Lev tells Lo he's so used to hearing about her. Because of, like, talking to B. Yeah. And that Casey has been keeping tabs on Lo over the years and what she's doing. Which, again, sounds Scientology to me. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And Lev hasn't really interacted with the press after, like, a Vice article was written about him that, like, basically called them a cult. And that was, like, in 2014, I think it said. So he really hasn't. Scientology. Yeah. Um, so he offers her a chance to write a full profile of the project and gives her unprecedented access to the members, their facility, and him. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. So Lo is like, okay, does that extend to my sister? Because I would like to see her. Yeah. And Lev is like, listen, every way we've dealt with you was at B's direction. And Lo is like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, um, literally. He finally tells her that B is no longer a member of the Unity Project. Damn. Uh, so it's 2012 again. She's being kept in the hole. <laughs> she's kept in the chokey. I watched Michelle No, the, the hole is, uh, that's the Scientology. Uh, oh, is it? I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched a Scientology documentary. Um, but so it's 2012, and we are like getting more like looks into the project and now we find out they have to do these things called attestations basically them going into a booth and recording themselves and talking about their hopes and their fears any setbacks they might have had anything they might have excelled in and their Mm -hmm. feelings about lev and the project Mm -hmm. and then each week he listens to the recording so he can address them at family meetings oh no so Uh, at this point there are about 600 active members in the project so (laughs) that many <laughs> so this is around the time when they were doing like the wall street protests in manhattan okay yeah and so to try and gain more followers casey b and two other members go into the city to try and like convert people mm-hmm. b is not very successful at it and at one point one of the others there one of the other members like falls down and hurts her wrist and b offers to take her to the hospital and while this person's being taken care of she has, like, a crisis of faith moment and almost calls B, like, or not B, almost calls Lo. Right. And right before she's about to, like, hit go and call, an alarm goes off and pulls her out of, like, her thought process and is like, oh, my God, what, 
what, what was doing? that moment? Yeah. Right. So she goes to the chapel inside the church and runs into this man who's like bent over, sobbing, hysterical. He's in like scrubs and basically offers him like salvation to like help him. A chapel inside the hospital? Yeah. Okay. And he was a doctor or a nurse. Or Where like are that. these hospitals that have chapels in them? I've literally never <laughs> been to one. So the man is Foster. Okay. So you find out B is the one that brought Foster into the Unity Project. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that October, they're sitting around listening to Lev sort of just, like, preach around the fire, saying that this country is going through some sort of crisis of faith and all that shit. And we meet our first non-believer. So Rob, who I literally have in my notes as we've identified Judas, is <laughs> questioning Lev and is like, that's, like, a big no-no. Like, you don't question him. And he keeps asking Lev, like, why? 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 And Lev is like, because you just have to have faith. You have to believe. And so then later on, he's talking to B, And we find out that at this point, she's been in the project for about six months. And he thanks her for bringing Foster into the fold. And tells her that there are no flaws in her. And then kisses her. She is... 19. And how old is he? Like 40 something? He's probably in his 30s because he, he was 32 because he was born in 1980. Okay, back it up, John Mayer. Back <laughs> it up. Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, her parents really are Harry Styles and Taylor Swift. Right? <sighs> this theory is just making more sense by the minute. So it's November of 2017. B has not been a member since September, aka two months earlier. Mm-hmm. And they're not sure where she is. Lev tells Lo, just standing in front of him is like a miracle. And she doesn't believe it. Like, she doesn't understand why he's saying, like, she's a miracle. He tells Lo that B had lost a lot while she was in the project. And that three years earlier, she faced this devastating loss. And then losing Jeremy was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's when she left. He says she ran because he's just such a great powerful leader that he doesn't hold anyone that doesn't want to be there okay sure and that's when we find out that three years ago she almost lost emmy emmy being her daughter what you know so he leads her up to this children's room and we come face to face with this three-year-old who looks exactly like b so b left her daughter so and lo was like looking at her and Lo even says, like, she looks so much like her parents that she never thought she'd see them alive again. Like, that's how much she looks like B and her parents. And it just, like, was, like, <sighs> um, So she agrees to start the interviews in the new year. And then, so we find out Emmy was born in 2014 when mm-hmm. B was 21 and Lo was 16. Okay. And Lo says, like, this great line. She's, like, she buried her old family and built a new one on top of its bones. Which is, like, so poetically put and beautifully, like, worded. Like, I just loved that line. And also gave me Game of Thrones lines. Vibes, (laughs) like, not gonna lie. We suspect that Emmy's birth was a little too triggering for B because she was a premature, like, low. And she almost died, like, low. Oh. Low goes to work and gets screamed at by Paul for fucking everything up. Um, been there, done that. (laughs) So Art has a meeting with Paul, and while he's waiting for Paul to come out, he asks Lo about the cleanup for the break-in and things like that. Right. And 
then he leaves and Paul, like they have an amicable meeting and then he leaves. Paul tells Lo that he started another bo- like messaging board on a different app, like specifically for journalists, Telegram. I don't know if that's a real app or um, it sounds just the like newspaper. It is, actually. <laughs> um, and he's like asking people to come forward with information and he gives his address and a time for people to come to his house and talk to him. So, Name something that only men can do. That. Yeah, right? So, right? What's something that seems misogynist, but isn't actually Is misogynist? It, yeah. <laughs> so, Lo asks Paul if he had told Arthur about the break-in, and he's like, no, did you say anything? And she's like, no. So now she's suspecting that Arthur was the one that broke into the office. Right. Um, because he made a comment about it, and neither of them told him. And again, she doesn't tell Paul. Okay. That I don't like, feel like that would solve anything, but all right. Yeah, right? So now it flashes back to 2012. B wakes up in Levi's bed, and it's implied that he might also be sleeping with Casey. And I thought it might have been a thruple situation, but I think it's more of like an Eskimo sister situation. Got it. But I also think he's basically probably just having sex with all the women kind of right. thing. That's like just... That was the impression that I got. So right. I got some Manson vibes from that. Mm-hmm. So we also find out that Foster really wants to move up in the project and do more for them. And he really expresses his gratitude to B for bringing him into the project and for finally giving his life purpose, even though he was a fucking doctor. But okay. Yikes. And he produces this jewelry (laughs) box to give to her. And then we find out Lev had a vision that Lo would join the project, but it's not for B to understand how or when. Okay. So, Lo, it's 20, it's January of 2018. Okay. So, Lo notes that she brought everything that Google told her to bring to an interview, which, again, I feel like just furthers the point that she's not ready for a full-time staff writing position if she has to Google shit like this. Right. Like, but anyway, so Casey interviews very well. It's obvious why she's, like, the face of the organization in terms of, like, dealing with the press. Like, she's very graceful and it handles everything very well. Right. And we also find out off the record, but Casey's father is, like, a big donor to the project. Like, basically funding it. Right. Um, it's also noted that Lev intentionally shields Emmy from any of the press, like, because nobody knew he has a kid. Mm-hmm. So Casey also just suggests that the Catholic Church is not necessarily an enemy, but, like, they don't like the Unity Project. Well, Like, yeah. most people wouldn't, kind of thing. Right. I mean, you're a cult, so I don't think many people are going to like you. <laughs> So she sends Lo down to this, like, isolated cabin to interview Lev. It's, like, on the property, but it's off, like, by itself. Oh, no. And that's, like, where B and Lev, like, live and things like that. So I would be having, like, a life alert. (laughs) Something on Please hold. (laughs) Exactly. So the first question out of her fucking mouth is, it's not even a question. It's a statement. Your mother abused you. And we're like, what? I was like, what? Fuck decorum, right? Like, okay. So he tells the story of his childhood and it's just basically like, yes, I was abused. Lo asks him if there's any way to corroborate the story. And like, I'm sorry, he's a garbage piece of shit human, but like, we believe survivors. Regardless of if they're a garbage piece of shit it's human. It's just a being. weird um, question to ask. Yeah. So he stands up and pulls up his shirt and it's just littered with different sc- scars and burns from cigarettes and things like that um like i said i'm not gonna explicitly describe 
the abuse or anything like that because it's not necessary. But he has these scars all over his torso and body. He asks Lo if she defines herself by her trauma. And I was like, yes, I define myself by my trauma. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I did not need to be read like that by a fucking cult leader. That's their forte. What can I say? I said that, not Lo. I define myself by my trauma. Right. But I think he also, I was really mad because he made a good point. Because he said, I had to accept my trauma to release myself from it. And I was like, fuck. Stop that clock sounds is like right some twice shit. a day. Sounds like some shit Shannon would tell me. <laughs> So he asks, he for real asks that he wants her to ask more interesting questions. Wow. Which again, proves a point. She is not ready for a full-time staff writer position. No. But okay. So she leaves and go back, goes back to work and Paul is doing some like sketchy shit. Yeah. And Lo asks like what's going on and he's like, if you needed to know, you would know. Closes the door, leaves her. It's a need to know basis and you do not need to yeah. know. Boom. <laughs> so she, her aunt, the aunt, great aunt Patty died like a, uh, a year or two before, just to clarify. And right. she left Lo her car and Lo kept it in storage and like never used it because she doesn't like to drive. And then one winter she went to go start it. That winter she tried, went to go start it and it didn't start. So she had to take it to her mechanic. And so she gets a call that her car, hand's car is ready to be picked up. And the only reason I say this is because it's funny. She goes to pick it up and she gets in the car and forgets to put it in reverse and almost drives into the garage doors. Oh my gosh. And I was like, damn, that's really some shit I would fucking do. I've almost done that for sure. But anyway. Um, and then that night she has another dream about the man standing at the end of her bed, which is like very fucking unnerving. So we flash back to 2013 and B wakes up in the middle of the night to Lev sitting in a chair crying by the window and we find out that Rob has decided to leave the project. He left this note saying that what they started doing was pure and had pure intentions, but it's just been corrupt and they're using God as an excuse for other things and that he just left on his own. Like he wasn't coming back. T. So it switches back to January 2018 and Lo is staking out Arthur Lewis's house um, on the day that he posted the website. He's just, she's just sitting across the street. And a man walks up, and before he can even make it to the door, a car pulls up in front of the house, and out comes Casey, who starts arguing with him. Lo tries to hide-ish. She just tries like to be like, oh, I'm going to put my hands in front of my face and hope she doesn't see me. Right. But obviously, she and Casey make eye contact. Um, and then doing some digging, Lo finds out that the man was Casey's brother. Interesting. So Casey contacts her and says they, they need to talk in person off of the record. And they meet at one of the project facilities. And they're clearly, like, they're doing good things. Like, the people outside of, like, Lev's, like, inner tight circle are, like, doing good things. They're feeding the homeless. They're housing them. They're offering services to veterans. Like, things like that. Like, they clearly have good things happening just that aren't part of Lev's, like, inner, inner circle. Right. And it's also noted that another project member... That Lowe has literally never met also recognizes her. <laughs> and it's based on her saying, oh, I'm Lowe Denim. Not, like, by her face, but, like, by her name in this right. instance. Whereas with Jeremy, it was by her face. Right. So Casey shows up and is questioning her, like, what were you doing at Arthur's? And she's like, I'm writing a fucking profile. I'm just doing my goddamn job. Get out of my face. And then Casey admits that her brother is concerned about her and that her dad is a piece of shit. 
and that he did bad things to her when she was a child. It's not elaborated on in the book. Just to make that clear, there's no description if that makes people uncomfortable. Just so you know if you want to read this. Um, but use your imagination. So her dad was a piece of shit, but he's also funding the cult she's in? <laughs> she's using him for the money. Like, oh, that's how he's trying to okay. make things better oh, between okay. the two of them. I was it's, confused there for a second. <laughs> she's like, if this is how I get it, this is how I get it. It's going okay. to a good cause. You know what? I can't falter for that. Yeah. <laughs> falter for a lot of things? Not that. Not that. <laughs> So Lo drives out to Garrett Farm for another interview, and she gets another breathy hang-up call. While she's there, she interviews Foster this time, and we find out that he is Emmy and Lev's security detail. And Foster tells Lo that everyone in the project knows about her. They don't all know what she looks like, but they've just heard about B's little sister. Right. So, like, everybody knows about her. He also suggests that she gets to know Emmy because she's, like, this great kid and he wholeheartedly believes that B will come back to the project. One of the swirling rumors is that Lev brought a girl back from the dead, which, as readers, we know is true and we know it's Lo. But Lo herself doesn't know that it's her. Uh-huh. Like, it was never explained to her. So, right. like, when she hears, oh, he brought a girl back from the dead, she's like, yeah, psh, Okay. Right. kind of, like, brushes it off. Okay, so this, like, B is giving me, um, the leader of Scientology, his wife vibes. Because his wife is missing, and no one knows where she I is. I know, right? I've heard about that. Yeah. Suspicious. So, on the way home from Garrett Farm, she's driving, and she gets another phone call, and she's driving to an intersection, and she sees a semi coming from the corner of her eye. Oh, I do not like those. And... She kind of, like, has a panic attack because she doesn't like to drive. She hates driving. And she goes to hit her brake, but her brakes don't work. What the fuck? And so she freezes because this is reminding her of the accident she was in with her parents. Right. And so she swerves because the brakes are just not working. Right. So cuts to 2013. (laughs) Like, right in the middle. So at this point... At this point, nobody knows that Rob... Nobody has left the projects except for Rob. Like, he's the first defector. Mm -hmm. And Love tells the members that he kicked Rob out because... Gotta control that narrative. Yeah, because he didn't have the faith and that he was a test to God and he wanted to remove that negative energy. And he says that God, because Rob was a test and now he's basically never going to let any of his followers go again. He had to keep them close to keep them close to God. Sir... So then they all, everyone gets up and starts chanting thank you. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. This does not sound good. So now it's January of 2018. And so we find out Lo had, like, spun out and just took a tree out with her car. <laughs> like, she's stuck in a tree. She nice. hits her head pretty hard and is, like, lying Ooh. on the horn. Cool. And she's close enough to the farm that Lev and Foster heard the horn. And they come running. So they take her Mm -hmm. back to Garrett Farm to, like, patch her up and help her get better. Um, While Lev is leaning over low to, like, keep her, like, held down, she's like, I need to get out. Like, I need to go. Like, I'm fine. He's like, stay in the fucking bed. While he's leaning over her, she gets a better look at the necklace he's been wearing. Yeah. And she asks him about it. And he says, B gave it to her for when Emmy was born. Mm -hmm. So she asks him not to leave because... Every time she woke up when she was in the hospital, she was alone. And he says he's sorry that no one's ever taken care of her. 
well, maybe her sister would have been there if you didn't brainwash her, you right. dumb bitch. So it flips back to 2013. B finds Lev and he tells her he needs to go back to Indiana to pray for another revelation after the loss of Rob. So he leaves and B goes to where Rob lives because they've been keeping tabs on him since he left, giving me Scientology vibes. And also, okay, off topic, but I fan casted in my head Lev as Matthew Gray Goobler. Of course you did. Not because I'm, honestly, not because I'm uh, like, I love Matthew Gray Goobler, but because I feel like he gives off, like he would do this like dark, like cult leader so fucking well. Mm-hmm. Like so well, and then Foster. Do you do you did you watch um? Oh fuck, what's it called? Oh, it's gonna it's gonna bother the ever living shit out of me. Do you know Sam Hewen? Sounds familiar. He, uh, Outlander. That's what it is. He's oh, on okay. Outlander. Yeah, yeah. Who I picture him. Uh, on Outlander, he's Jamie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, who that I is. picture Foster as Sam Hewen. Nice. I'm. Those were the only two fan casts that I came up with in my head. I, I'm picturing for B, I'm picturing Dakota Johnson for some reason. I don't know why, but that's this just is, They I'm would picturing. work perfectly because Perfect. they have that that age difference. And right. Um, at this point, like in time, at, in like January of 2018, right. B is supposed to be 25 years old. So she's right. like my age, yeah. So, oh, did you say Dakota Johnson or Dakota Fanning? Dakota Johnson. Oh, I thought you said Fanning. No. no. I think she's a li- I'm not, like, not hating on her. I think she's a little old for this. Well, because I'm she's supposed to be young. Right. Well, because I'm picturing, like, she was born in 92, so I'm picturing this. I know it takes place in 2018, but I'm picturing it taking place in 2021. Yeah. So, 92, you'd be almost 30. You'd be 29. Yeah. I think Dakota's, like, 33. Something, 34. yeah. She's, like, not far so, off from that. Yeah, age. I just, like, I feel like she would look too mature for the role. If that makes sense. Hasn't stopped Hollywood's yet. Ain't that the truth. Anyway, so we find out, like, as I said, B goes to Rob and basically tries to convince him to come back. And he's just looking grim as fuck. Like, he's looking pale and starved. He's living in this fucking basement with a yoga mat for a bed. Like, he's not doing well. And she's like, please come back home. Like, we want you to come back. And he's like, no. And he asks her to tell him if it's love. Like, if what Lev gives them is love. And she's like, what else would it be? But she never actually says it's love, which I think is a little weird. That is sus. Suspect. Yes. So, three days later, she gets a call from Lev that his mother is dead. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, it flips back to January 2018. Lo wakes up in Garrett Farm, a little confused, a little disoriented, but she knows when she thinks about her car... Like, like the accident that there was that the car is fine like the that it was just in her head that the the brakes weren't working like and that there was no semi coming she was gonna be fine there's nothing like okay delusional yeah. but okay all right the car sure. is not fine it's totaled but whatever right he suggests to her that she she really can live outside of her trauma and she clearly wants to um lev tells emmy lo is b's sister and immediately, Emmy recognizes her. Um, but she also notices that Lev doesn't call B mom. Like, he oh. says, oh, this is B's sister. Yeah, and Lev weird. explains Emmy doesn't have that correlation in her mind to B as her mother. But insists that B loved Emmy. How old is Emmy? Emmy's three. 
Okay, I thought that I thought for some reason three, so you must have said it before, but yeah, mm, that's interesting. Okay, so it's 2013 again. Uh, Lev comes back from Indiana, and it's noted that B doesn't feel alive when he's gone. Like she's just existing until he comes back. Ew. Which, like, I just like again furthers the idea of how fucking indoctrinated she is at this point. Like, right. So he demands everyone does a spiritual audit. When he comes back, because he wants to keep tabs on them, essentially. He this tells what them... What kind of miscavige shit is this? <laughs> what the hell? Literally. So, he tells them they're... Um, David Miscavige listening to this episode. So, okay, and taking mm-hmm. notes. What else should I do? <laughs> um, so, he tells them he's going to keep them close because he doesn't want them to fall to sin the way his mother did. Okay, sis. In the audits, he has them list... They're relatives and answer a bunch of questions. And Lev only trusts Casey and Lo- and B to read them. So, like, even B puts Lo down as a relative, even though she hasn't talked to her in years. Like, they have to write all of their relatives. Right. So, she tells Lev she visited Rob and he's, like, pissed. Like, why would you go and talk to that non-believer? What the fuck? And she's like, I was trying to do something for you. And he's like, you need to recommit your faith. It doesn't explicitly say what he does. It only describes her flesh as blistered and she has a blessing burned into the side of her thigh. In the inside of her thigh. So we're talking a brand. Yes, I would say so. (laughs) Makes me... Well, so then um, Lev later on makes B listen to one of Foster's attestations. And Uh in it, he's questioning his devotion to the project and if he's really strong enough to stay in, like, if he's really strong, like, if his belief is strong enough. And Lev tells her she needs to be the one to check him. Because if any, if Foster fails, it's going to reflect poorly on B because she's the one that brought him in. Mm-hmm. So she goes and visits Foster at the farm and he basically tells her that he's in love with her, even though he knows she's with Lev. And she's like, you're the perfect soldier like you're with your faith like you your perfection is a reflection on me or something like that and then mm-hmm. he kisses her so it flips back to february of 2018 so she goes back to work right and basically like paul is like what the f- you've been you've been fucking up left and right what is going on and he just rips into her so when she goes to garrett farm she gets a text from paul apologizing saying like he'll give her a real apology when she comes into the office the next time Mm-hmm. So Lev is resting when she gets there. So Foster's like, go hang out with Emmy, like get to know her. And this line, if this isn't going to be my future child, because Lo says, she's staring at me expectantly. Like if I'm going to be in her presence, I better have a good reason. That's going to be my kid. <laughs> so she asks Emmy to explain who B is to her. Mm-hmm. And all Emmy says is that she's my friend. She is my friend. She's not like she's my mother. She's just my friend. You don't like that. So Emmy doesn't understand that Lo is her aunt. Okay. So Lo tries to explain to Emmy that B is her mother. And this part was so cute. Emmy goes, like, mommy shark. <laughs> and B is like, or Lo is like, uh, I don't know what, and like in her mind, she's like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Oh no. <laughs> so Lev happens to walk in at this point and like overhears low trying to tell her like that's your mother mm-hmm. and gets really mad at low for doing that because it's not her place 
Right. And he accuses her of trying to bring Emmy into her trauma and misery by explaining to her that her mother left her. So she t- he tells her to get the fuck out, like, leave. Hmm. So she leaves the farm and she's driving past the temp- cemetery and she almost goes in to see her parents, which she's never done. Even when she was younger, she never visited her parents' graves. Oh, interesting. Um, so outside the cemetery, she gets another weird, like, hang-up call. And before they can hang up, she's like, B, if that's you, please, like, don't hang up. And then it stays on the line for a little bit longer. And then she just hears B say goodbye and then hang up. Yikes. So it flips back to 2013. All B can think about is saving Foster. And he's, like, crying, saying he's not strong enough. And that he's hurt because his feelings for her are so strong that he can't stay. So she's, like, basically, like, if I give myself to you once, will you stay? And he's like, yeah, sure. So they have sex. Oh, interesting. I mean, if I were B, honestly, I would also probably go for the doctor. Yeah. And, Just like, me, again, if you're picturing Sam Human in your mind, like, yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Um, and all she can think about is that she's she's doing it for Lev to try and save Foster. Okay, sure. And so later on, she sleeps with Lev, and all she can think about is Foster, which I thought was interesting. And then later on, she's at the supermarket buying groceries for everyone, and she pays for all of it with a credit card, but she also picked up a pregnancy test that she pays for with her own cash. Hmm. And she goes to a gas station, takes it, and finds out she's pregnant. <gasps> tea so fe- it goes back to february of 2018 lo walks past the svo office after the phone call with ba- b and decides she wants to go talk to paul and get that fucking apology right so she goes in there and walks in w- to paul and one of the staff writers lauren having sex <gasps> and lauren was Scandal. originally the assistant to paul before lo and then she had gotten a promotion I don't like this narrative. I'm sorry, Courtney Summers, but did we really... Well, we find out that she... It, the relationship between the two of them hadn't started until after she had been promoted. But why like, did you gotta imply that? It's, like, such yeah. a huge stigma for, like, women that, like, they only get their positions because they slept with, like, some guy. Like, I don't yeah. know. That just puts a bad taste in my mouth. So, Lauren sees her and immediately, like, pushes Paul away and it's, like, this big whole thing, but basically Lo quits on the spot. So, 2013, we find out, um, so Lev finds out about the pregnancy and just thanks her for giving him this great gift. He only really goes to, like, the big appointments, the smaller ones Casey goes to with her. hmm And then Foster finds out about the baby and, like, outright asks her if it's his. And she's like, no, the baby can only be Lev's. Then later on into her pregnancy, I think she's probably like seven or eight months, she wakes up bleeding, um, but there's a heartbeat and it says like in the ultrasound, you could see the baby, but right next to the baby, there was like this stain, which is bizarre in my opinion. That is very bizarre. Very weird. So it flips back to February 2018, Lo goes to Chapman House. None of them know she was going to be there. Nobody looks to be there. So she's walking in the woods trying to go to Lev's cabin and unwittingly walks into a baptism. And, like, they don't see her there. And she's just watching. And witnessing it kind of made it more real in her mind for her. Like, that this Mm -hmm. was, like, a religion. Quote, unquote. Yeah. So she goes... Like, she has to, like, hide from them so they don't see her that she's seen this because she was in the, the trees. 
So she goes to Lev's cabin and just lets herself in and falls asleep on the bed. Oh, okay. So now it flips back to 2014. Emmy comes way too early and to like to the point where she like to the point where B hasn't even started lactating yet. Like that's how early Damn. she comes. So she's in the NICU and Foster tells B that the baby if the baby was Lev's, there wouldn't be all of these medical problems. Like this baby is his and he knows it's his and the baby was gonna was born from sin, so that's why it's gonna die. And like he's like, We have to tell so the baby has to be cleansed and we have to tell Lev what happened between the two of them. No, you so fucking don't. B goes to the chapel in the hospital again. And Foster is the one that tells Lev what happened between the two of them. And Lev is fucking angry. Like, he's so angry. And So he, you get to fuck other women, but she can't fuck other men? I don't know. Like, it was implied that they, he was sleeping with the other women, but I don't know. Like, it was never outright. Like, it's not never outright stated. I kind He's of just fucking other that. women. That's just Definitely how those cult, li- cult leaders do it. So he tells B if she's prepared to suffer her way back into his like good graces, even uh, for Emmy. And she's like, yeah, yeah. So flip to February 2018. Lo wakes up in Lev's cabin and he's just chilling on his computer at his desk, like not like unfazed that she fell asleep on his bed. Lo asks him about his mom and how she died, and he says that she died in a house fire from a lit cigarette. She tells... That's suspicious. Lev tells her that Emmy is her family, and if she wants to... And he wants her involved in Emmy's life. He admits that his failures are not keeping the people in the group, so, like, Jeremy, B, Rob, like, all of them. Right. And she finally... Jeremy fucking died, so... Yeah. (laughs) So she finally comes clean and tells him the profile won't be with SVO and that this whole thing was her idea from the get. Like, Paul was never involved, like, everything. And he's like, well, it can be with whoever we want. Like, the Times, New Yorker, like, whatever. So he asks her why she loves to write so much and she tells him that writing gives her the ability to live through other people because she doesn't really feel alive, especially since the accident. And Why then, are you telling this manzy things? You <laughs> idiot. So he finally tells her that she's the girl he brought back that everyone claims that Lev brought back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Obviously she panics and is like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the and, fuck? And um, now she recognizes him as the man from her nightmares, like standing over her bed. Right. And he tells Lo that he thought God's gift was B, uh, was B but he realizes it, that it was B bringing him low. And then this man's in his 30s, almost 40, kisses this 19-year-old girl. Oh, no. Mm, No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. So, it flips to 2017 now. And B's punishment was that Emmy will never know that B is her mother. That was her punishment, was that she was never going to have that mother-daughter connection with Emmy. Oh, my Lord. Levi, he, Levi, Lev healed her in the hospital by, like, putting his hands on her and prayed. And now because of that, like, B will never technically be Emmy's mother. And then Foster was moved into security for Lev and Emmy. So, like, it kind of kept the two, her, Foster and B apart was because she wasn't around Emmy 24-7. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Emmy only knows Lev as her father, and Foster isn't even her dad to her. Yikes. Yikes. Like, he's just Uncle Foster. Like, he's... Right. So, March 2018, Lev and Lo have sex, because he's a disgusting cult leader. Um... And then, so, she wakes up, and he's standing over his laptop, and she gets up and follows him. So, you and mean to tell me this this woman walked into this baptism and suddenly was like, oh, actually, this isn't a cult. It's a religion. That's all it took. Well, the whole book was, like, her slowly, like, starting to believe this shit. Like, it was all these different things leading up, like, after her accident when she's like, I don't want to be alone. She relies on him. Like, different little things all leading up I'm to sorry. this. sorry. I'm just not in a cult, so I just don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it. So how, she, especially because she ha- like her sister is doesn't talk to her. She's not been in contact with her for years. So I just don't understand how you would also fall victim to the same cult that like stopped you from talking with your only family. Right. But so whatever. She, she gets out of the bed and goes up to him and is like, "What are you looking at?" And on the SVO website is an article entitled "Inside the Unity Project: Brutal Rituals, Physical and Emotional Abuse Defines Life." in the inside of one of upstate New York's most beloved organizations. Lowe insists she didn't write it, had nothing to do with it. And Lev is like, I believe you. And it's anonymous, to be clear. It's Arthur. So shit just goes haywire, hits the fan. They're like trying to figure out how to combat everything with the press that's being said in the article and things like that. And this is where it really gave me Nexium vibes was because right. like they have the the attestations where it's like ESP, where right. they, yeah, and then they were also g- collecting collateral to prevent members from leaving and like other things Nexium did. So I was like, wow, that I, I can see where it all like right, the but different that's, things that's super like Nexium, but it's also super like Scientology. Yeah, they also collect collateral. That's why like all the well, celebrities that, the don't I leave. Thought of Nexium was one. Nexium was upstate New York. And two, it was smaller than Scientology. That's why right. I was thinking more. But I but get what you're saying. Right. Especially because it's more like a religion. Like, Nexium really wasn't religious. It was like a wellness group. Yeah. Whereas Scientology is like, definitely, there you have religious status. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Bullshit. Right. Um, so that's why it's giving me also Scientology vibes. Yeah, which is fair. But also um, a little like Warren Jeffs kind of yeah. sprinkling in there with the prophecy, you know? Yeah. Not a fan. So, Lowe offers to write a counter article to try and, like, negate the bad press this gave them, and he says no. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, she's never written an article, so. (laughs) Casey says the only thing they can really do to help themselves is get a retraction, which is probably not going to happen. And then we also find out that Arthur Lewis is now suing the Unity Project for their hand in Jeremy's death. So, Lowe passes a comment that she never thought, like, six months ago, she never thought she'd be in a place that would be so good for her. And it's kind of like a callback to be, having been there for six months, like, in the beginning right. of the book and how perfect everything was. So, right. Lowe tells Lev she wants to join the project. Ma'am. So, they're really working on this, like, retraction angle and so Lo goes up to the attestation room where it's, like, the only room where she act- gets actual cell service and right. calls Paul. Right. And he's, like, ecstatic. She, he had no idea she, about this article she was writing, especially after she's, she accuses him of stealing the story away from her, which, again, I think drives home the point that she is a child for 
for a not speaking up sooner saying she wanted to write this article and two accusing him of stealing it from her when he had no idea she was working on something right so like paul does regret that she wasn't part of writing the article and does want her to come back to work and she's like no and he admits that even though he said the project was clean it was clean on paper and it's super dirty and shady as hell He says that everything in the article was vetted. There was audio, video recording from the project to verify all the information. Like, she's like, how could you, like, publish this with, like, no verifiable? He's like, of course I did my fucking job. I'm a vet. I know what I'm doing. Like. Right. Like, ma'am, you think you know shit, but you literally, no, please stop. (laughs) So he asks her what it's going to take for her to come back to work. And she's like, I want the name of the person that wrote the article. And he's like, I would never do that. I would never give up the name. Right. This is also interesting because um, anonymous is rarely ever done in journalism. Because it's very tricky and you readers don't have a lot of faith in anonymous sources. Yeah. Because there's no face to the name. There's no accountability there. So that also plays into it. It's very interesting. Yeah. So she hangs up and Love finds her and is pissed because she made a phone call without him recording it. <laughs> and she tries to tell him she's trying to get the name and he's like, fine, whatever. Kind of like glosses over it, moves on. Doesn't like right. that mad. So he tells her that in order to join the project, she needs to be baptized and redeemed. And by doing so, she has to give up like all of her ties to the outside world and move into Chapman House. Uh-huh. And that includes giving up her writing which she's, like, super apprehensive about doing. Right. And moving out of her apartment and, like, things like that. So then we flip back to 2017. So part of after... Part of her punishment for Emmy's birth was that she had to give Lev the necklace Foster gave her. I, like, because it was supposed to be, like, a symbol of every time she saw it on Lev. She... It was a reminder of the sin that she committed. Uh-huh. And she needed to be ashamed of that. But... B was never going to be ashamed of that because that meant being ashamed of Emmy and she's not going to be ashamed of her daughter. Right. So, like, that's why she had to give over the necklace kind of thing. Right. So Foster is punishment punished to what extent we don't really know. All it says is that B could hear him screaming. Yikes. So it also has this really sad moment at B's, at Emmy's third birthday party. Everyone's, like, surrounding her and they're having a great time. And she, like, smashes the cake and gets it all over herself and instead of B being the one to go and clean up her daughter, Emmy reaches out for Casey, and Casey's mm-hmm. the one that cleans her up, and she just has, like, this heartbreaking moment, and she, like, leaves the room, and she's, like, crying, and Foster's like, did we do the right thing? Like, no. was staying here doing the right thing, and she's, like, she, like, lashes out at him and is like, yes, of course it was. And then, like, um, a couple months, like, or no, it was her... First or second birthday, because yeah. there's a birthday party later where she goes back to that spot and hopes Foster comes back so she can say, no, we didn't, let's leave, but he yeah. doesn't show up. Which well, she really can't sad. read your mind, sister. Right? So, and then it flips back to March of 2018. Um, now, Lo is having a hard time understanding why B would walk away from all of this. Because it's a cult. Foster plans to take B back to her apartment to clean it out so she can move in. To the Chapman house. On the way back, she has to stop at the cemetery and have, like, a moment alone with her parents before they leave. Right. She just is, like, 45 minutes alone, last moments with them. He agrees, and she goes in and is, like, obviously, like, upset, like, crying. And out of the church comes Father Michael. 
and he says that he's met B before and recognizes her. Obvi- like, obviously, because of that. Because um, I guess B has told him about her. Right. She asks him if he's seen her recently, and he said no. And But if he sees her, does he want... Does Lo want to give him a message to give to B? And she says to tell B that me, Emmy, and Lev are doing just fine without her. And if she wants to find Lo, she can find her at the Chapman house if she's really looking. So back at Chapman house, Lev is relocating staff members to different properties to try and like weed out the weak ones. Mm-hmm. And then Lev like produces her phone and that she had lost. And it's like all cracked and dead. And they're like, oh, we found it in Emmy's room. Like, sorry, we'll get you a new one. Right. So Lev tells them they're looking for Rob because they think he wrote the op-ed because he's the only one that Lev had ever told to leave the Unity Project. He tells Lo that Rob had this really intense fascination and dedication to Lev and he wanted to, quote, make himself in Lev's image, which is a little weird. It's Um, weird. And that they wanted to find him... So they that's really what they're doing to try and deal with the article is finding Rob to try and get a retraction from him. So it flips back to 2017. B sneaks into Casey's office and tries to call Patty, uh, the aunt that Lowe had lived with after right. the accident. But the li- landline is dead. And after some Googling, finds out that Patty had died over a year before and nobody had told her. And now she has no idea what happened to Lowe because she's not online. Like she doesn't have any social media profiles or anything like that. Right. So, like, you find out how isolated they really were making B. Mm-hmm. So, March of 2018, Lev announces that Rob has, like, demanded this audience at one of their locations. Lev says she wants to go, but he won't let her. Um, she also, again, makes a comment about her phone being broken still. So, while Lev and Casey go off and deal with Rob, Foster and Emmy go and take this nap together, and it's, like, super adorable... Aww. moment a sweet moment between father and daughter but outside the dog is barking and she's like low goes outside to try and figure out why it's so agitated and sees father michael standing on the edge of the property and that he's there on b's behalf that's weird that's, that's suspicious, suspicious. <laughs> so in the car we find out lev was actually a member of father michael's congregation in 20 uh 2009 and he basically poached half of the church to join him because he walked in one day and half of his members were gone, including Rob. So Lowe still full-heartedly believes that the op-ed was a lie. She's not, like, giving in. But he's like, please, like, just come with me. So they go to the rectory and there this man walks out that's obviously not B. And she's like, what the fuck? Where's my sister? And he's like, please, don't be afraid. Like, B wasn't afraid when she came. You shouldn't be either. So we find out the man is Rob, and he admits that he wrote the article because Jeremy was on his way to see Rob when he died. Ooh, the plot thickens. And Lo is confused because how would Jeremy have learned to look for Rob if he was still in the organization at that point? But based on the looks that Father Michael and Rob give each other, B probably wasn't in the organization when Jeremy died because uh, B was the one that told Jeremy to look for Rob. Right. Which, again, doesn't make sense if she was still there. Why would right. she do that? That kind of thing. So now Rob is telling her he's he's the one that left of his own volition. And everything t- Levi has told her is basically a lie. And her brain is just exploding. Like, she cannot believe it. 
how after he left, he was basically destitute, had no money, was moving from apartment to apartment because he was being followed, and he ended up going to Father Michael for help because he was part of Father Michael's congregation. Right. Um, He tells her everything written in the article wasn't about the organization as a whole, but specifically about Lev and how he's manipulating members to stay. Right. And then he lifts up his shirt and shows her the scars that he had that basically all line up with the same scars that Lev has. Mm-hmm. And Rob's like, this is basically how Lev, quote, makes people walk the path of the faithful is by burning them and scarring him the way he has because he that's the pa- path of the faithful he walked. What the So she's fuck? just like, no, no, no. Like, Lev brought her into the light. He's this good man. And he's the one that brought her brought her back from the dead. And Father Michael and Rob are both like, um, wouldn't modern medicine do that for you? Not him? Literally. And Rob is like, I'm leaving as soon as we're done here. Like, I'm getting out of the state once this conversation's done. Uh, right. I'm getting as far away from here as possible. And I was going to do that last year until B showed up. So, flip back to 2017... B is at her parents' grave with a picture of Emmy, and she's just sobbing, going, this is my daughter, this is my daughter. Like, please, like, someone believe me, this is my daughter. Because none of the, like, nobody at the, she's not allowed to express that Emmy is her daughter to anybody. Right. And that's when Father Michael can see, like, how broken she really is. Right. So he connects her and Rob. She basically tells Rob, I'm gonna die if I stay in this organization. Like, I need to leave. Right. And she breaks and tells him everything. She shows him, um, a new scar or, like, burn, and he's like, that shit's infected. <laughs> like, sis. Yeah. So, at the end of their meeting, they agree to leave that night with Emmy. Rob is gonna pick them up on the edge of the property, and they're just gonna go. So, when she gets back to the project, Levi starts questioning her where she's been all day because she was by herself. And that's when Jeremy stands up and is like, she was with me. And Lev knew it was a lie, but he kind of like lets it pass. But B knows that Jeremy's going to suffer for it because of her. So she's, and she makes a comment like she saw no love in Lev's eyes anymore. Like it was gone. So it flips back to March of 2018. Rob tells Lo B never showed up that night. And Rob thinks it's interesting that even though he's just met Lo and Lo is saying Emmy is still there, but B isn't. And Rob is like, something have ha- has to have happened to B because she never would have left Emmy behind. Never. Right. Ever. Like, no. Right. Right. Lo tells him about the phone call she's been getting and how she's like, B is alive. I heard her say goodbye. Like, there's no way. And Rob explains, like, after he left, like, they literally did everything they could to get to him, including doing the same thing to him with the breathy phone calls and mixing his audio from his attestations together to make him say things he never actually said. Right. So they have audio of B saying goodbye. Right. And he's like, she's probably gone. Right. Like, there's no, like, there's no way. Right. So Rob even says he was in his car on the highway doing 90 and his brakes stopped working. That's how badly Lev wants to get rid of him. And mm-hmm. he even asserts that he thinks Lev killed his mother. Damn. So Lo has like this full blown panic attack and steals Father Michael's keys to his car and then steals his car from a fucking priest. Ma'am. And just drives back to Chapman House and leaves the car on the edge of the property. This is uh, while she was with Rob. That's also when she finds out that Emmy is Foster's daughter, not Lev. 
Right. So, like, that also is, like, what? Right. In her mind. So she gets back to Chapman House and asks Foster why he so firmly believes that B is coming back. And he says because Lev saw it. Right. So she's like, I'm going to go shower. I Like, Foster's like, where the fuck have you been? And she's like, I was just going for a run. Sorry, I couldn't text. My phone's broken. I'm just going to go shower. So she hauls ass back to the cabin and she just drops to the floor in tears full of confusion, just having a panic attack. And that's when Lev gets back. And she asks him if he's seen Rob, but he says no, but it's not over. Right. And he's, like, holding her, trying to calm her down. And while he's, like, holding her to his chest, she gets a better look at his necklace and sees that it's inscribed with the letters B and F on it. Hmm. Interesting. So, like, that kind of affirms to her everything Rob just told her. So she asks Lev... If B will ever come back. And he's like, don't think about your past anymore. You have to move forward into the future. Which is super gaslighty. Like, everything this man says is super gaslighty. Right. Right. And so that's when she decides she's leaving that night and she's taking Emmy with her. This is just deja vu. So it flips back to 2017. B waits for Levi to fall into that deep, deep sleep that she knows she won't wake him up out of. She quietly goes to Chapman House to get Emmy. Um, she knew she had to do this because of how much she loves her daughter. So then it flips back to March of 2018. Lo is in Emmy's room and whispering to her to like wake up or put her shoes on. Emmy's really disoriented and confused. She doesn't want to get out of the bed because it's the middle of the night. So Lo tries to shove one of Emmy's boots on her foot and the girl screams, no, no, no. In the hallway, Casey appears and it looks like she has like this look on her face of like deja vu, like this has happened before. (laughs) Yeah. So Casey calls Lev and he comes to the house and wants an explanation from Lo and she just wants to know where B is and he's not going to tell her. He, She's like, I know who you are and I know what you did to her. And Casey's kind of like shrugs and is like, okay. But Foster's confused, like what the fuck is Lo talking about? Right. And Lev just con- continues his gaslighting shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, people will come and try and destroy my name in your mind. Who is this person that has done it this time? And Lo just turns around and is like, B, you bitch. She doesn't say you Ah! bitch, but that's what I was thinking. And then again, she asks for her sister. And he's like, I think you need to walk the path of the faithful, the path that is mine. Oh, no. Absolutely not. this part, I'm going to put like a small like trigger warning. Very quickly, very brief. They tie her down in the reflection room. And um, he holds her down and... She's like, no, no, like thrashing. And he takes a cauterizing pen and proceeds to scar her the same way his body is scarred with like all in all the same spots and things like that. Um, He asks, she asks him why he's doing this and he just continues to gaslight the shit out of her and goes, it's not something I'm doing to you. It's something I'm doing for you oh, to make no. you stronger in your faith. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. No, no. So you, you can... End of, end of the bad shit. So, well, kind of. Um, <laughs> when he's done, she's super weak. Um, and she's just like, I know you killed her. I know you did it. And he doesn't know. He goes, no. Uh, what I what happened was to save her. So she passes out from the pain. And every time she wakes up, she just prays for B. And she wake, every time she wakes up, she's alone. Then the final time she wakes up, Foster is, like, looking over her, assessing the damages And she can kind of see how he's having a hard time processing what happened to her in his mind. Like, 
trying to understand why it had to happen to her kind of thing. Right. So he tells Foster that B is dead and that Levi killed her. And he's like, no, she's coming back. I know she is. Lev saw it. Sure. He, she's coming back. And Lo is like, he killed her. You need to take Emmy and run. Right. Like, run and never look back. Just right. go. He's going to kill me. While he's killing me, you need to get her out of there. She tells Foster that B wanted out and that she had met with Rob to try and get out. Foster is like, I know she wanted out because she couldn't stand looking at me and, like, the sin we committed. And, like, she wa- she left because she couldn't commit to this. And B was like, she wanted her daughter. She wanted to be a mother to her daughter. But right. she can't now because she's dead. There's no way she would have left Emmy behind. Like, so finally they take her out, low out to the lake. And she's basically being held up by Lev. And he's just, like, whispering these prayers in her ear about himself. Oh, great. And he literally says, anyone who loves their sons or daughters more than me isn't worthy of me. Which clearly B loved Emmy more than him. Right. And she's like, fuck you. I don't believe this. Get out of here. And he's, right. she's like, what happens if I don't believe in God? And she's like, he's like, then I guess we'll find out kind of thing. Oh. And, like, shoves her under the water and you, she could feel, like, the contractions in her chest of not having air. But she takes a breath and, like, listens for God the way Levi always tells her that he's listening. Right. So, in 20... It flips back to 2017. And this time, it's the same situation that Law was in right now. But it's B being, like, recommitted. And it's she's thrashing and trying to fight her way out. Right. So, now it flips back to... September of 2018. So I think it's like a six-month jump in time. Love is standing on a platform at the train station. And out of the train sprints Emmy, running at her legs. She, Emmy, and Foster go to a playground. And she starts interviewing Foster. And we learn Casey has been arrested. Because as the money behind the organization, she was basically exposed to everything that happened. And was probably there for B's death. Right. They tried to spin the story, like, that Lev had taken her from her family and estranged her from them. And they're fighting for a lenient sentence. And Lo is like, I'm working hard to make sure that shit does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Foster says it amazes him that Lo still doesn't believe in God, especially after the fact that two people went into that lake and only she came out. Oh. Oh. Lev's body was found floating on that lake and she was passed out unconscious on the shore. After everything came out about the project, they started losing contacts and and members. And because of what happened with Bay, they dredged with B. I the one time at the end, I caught it. Um, because nice. of what happened with B, they dredged the lake and they found her body in the lake. Oh, so Sad. Foster invites Lo to go with them to B's grave, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I can't. I have to go back to work." Right. And she goes back to SVO as oh. a fucking staff writer. Stop. Please stop. No. On the street, Lo feels like someone's watching her and she looks over at like a cross section of road. Mm-hmm. But no one's standing there, but it feels like someone was. Mm-hmm. So she gets there and Paul and Lauren are there and she has her shiny new engagement ring. And he's like, how's the story coming? And she's like, good. And she opens a document called The Project by Lo Dunham. So she's clearly writing something. About, like, the whole experience, whatever. She right. says she wants it to be the truth because she's the only one keeping the story alive. 
So then it flips back one, uh, to 2017, and it's B's last day in the project. Mm-hmm. And she's walking in town, and she sees Lo crossing the street. And B feels, like, this pain in her chest because she realizes Lo is now the same age she was when their parents died. Right. And she can't believe, like, how mature she's gotten and how, like, she's missed out on those years. And it's, like, a really hard moment for her to swallow. Right. And B almost crosses the street to, like, reunite with her. But she hesitates because of how long it's been. Mm-hmm. And then she looks down for a moment and looks back up. And Lo is gone. But she knows that the, they will see each other again. And that is The Project by Courtney Summers. Wow. That wraps up way more finally than her other book that i read did really yeah sadie wrapped up um you still didn't know what like what the (laughs) actual end was which was interesting i liked that but it was like you were left like unknowing the like answer to yeah i liked how final the the results were i just wish we got casey's trial right i wish we knew what happened i want to know what happened in that like between her and lev i really do right because like what did she do? Did she use her power thighs to body slam him into the water? Like, most women are written to do. Like, what happened? I really wanted to know. But I, at the same time, I like the ambiguity of not knowing. I don't know. I just loved the this ending. Like, it was such a great wrap-up. And Emmy and Foster together. Like, that just made me so happy. I really... I, you should still read this book. Like, I fully recommend everybody... Like, if you're... If you want to read this, definitely read it because there's still so much to it that I didn't say that I think is worth the read. I mean, she's a great writer. Like, Courtney yeah. Summers, she knows how to write her thriller mysteries. Mm-hmm. So... And I really liked it going back and forth between Bay's... Ex- between B's experience... <laughs> And Lo slowly being indoctrinated in and then seeing, like, it slowly get worse for B. Like, I just thought it was really such an interesting way to tell the story. Right. So, instead of telling it chronologically, like, I just thought it was really, what a, what a great story. I literally read this in one day. Yeah, yeah. And I've just been waiting, like, days. I was like, oh my god, should I text her and ask her to record sooner? Like, oh my god, I want to do this. Like... <laughs> But yes, I loved this book. 10 out of 10 recommend. Do you have any thoughts, feelings? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the whole, just Lowe's whole like career. Yeah, that was like the most obnoxious part. As a frustrated zillennial, (laughs) that's just not how shit works. (laughs) Right? Right. Of all people, I would know that's not how shit works. You would. You really would. Yeah, so that, like, was, like, the only... I don't know if she was written to be that entitled or if it just is me reading it that way. Um, Right. But, like, that expectation was none for... Like, get out of here with that bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Right. And it's, it's... Yeah, it is just frustrating, especially as people in the writing sphere. It is hard enough to get a job with a degree let alone yeah without one and it's like in the book the reason she had gotten the position was because paul was like telling us at a seminar and she was like kept raising her hand asking question after question and he like plucked her out of the crowd and like offered her a job because she was so engaged right with the seminar so it was like that's how she got the job so 
well, great, that's awesome, but, like, you can't expect, you can't have expectations like that. Right. At 19 years old. I'm sorry. There's a siren. It's okay, I can kind of hear it. Yeah, I can, okay, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, so that was, like, the only, the only, uh, qualm I had. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely, that would also annoy me, because it's, like, <sighs> But at the same time, I wanted more of B's story because, like, I felt so bad for her because, like, he really, like, swooped in when she was at her most vulnerable, as all cult leaders do. Right. And brainwashed her. Right. Pissed. I don't blame you. I'm pissed, too, for her. Yeah. So that was The Project by Courtney Summers. We don't have an Army Hammer update this week, either. No, unfortunately, I thought of um, another bookish, in other bookish news, um, mm. Cassandra Clare's uh, uh, next book comes out this week. You best be, you best know that I will be reading that shit as soon as it comes out. <laughs> Is that going to be your book Claire next week? Trash. <laughs> I love her. I don't care if the books are not the greatest, <laughs> not why I read them. I think she is a phenomenal character writer Mm -hmm. and world builder she just has that ish all figured out so (laughs) feel free to tweet us with your thoughts no spoilers though because we do not we don't do that to people here yes yes. you come into this podcast knowing you're gonna get spoilers exactly there there's no way you can listen to one of our podcasts without realizing there's gonna be spoilers like i'm sorry exactly so no spoilers no spoilers, but spoilers. Or you can tweet me directly and give me spoilers because I don't care. I'm not yes. going to be reading it. You could also But do don't that. don't tweet our, our official account or Alicia because she will come from my throat. Yeah. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram at BookaholicsPod and on Twitter at BookaholicsPod. And you can follow me on Twitter at HBICheska and on Instagram at Francesca Hope. And where can they find you? You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, Alicia Reads. And we'll see you for the next one. Bye!